Hello, and welcome to the Lion's Den here on Impact Sports. My name is Michael Heiger. Every week, I'll be bringing you weekly Lions coverage, touching on everything from the regular season, postseason, offseason, and draft season. I'm really excited to be on the air with you, so let's get started with a recap of this past Sunday's game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This was just one of those games where I found myself saying multiple times, that's so Lions. It was a common theme throughout the entirety of Sunday's game. If you're asking yourself, what does that so Lions mean? Many fans would tell you it's the mistakes that are made that only seem to fall upon the Lions. You get a bit of an idea when you look at the box score of the game and see the Lions had five turnovers, while Tampa didn't turn, o- turn it over once. Those five turnovers were not just any ordinary turnovers either. The first one game just four minutes into the game. After forcing a three and out on Tampa's first drive, New punt returner Jeremy Ross returned it 42 yards to give the Lions great field position for their first drive. It looked like the Lions were bound to take an early lead until Matt Stafford's pass caromed off of Nate Burleson right into the hands of Tampa linebacker Levante David. Tampa then drove down the field and Ryan Lindell kicked a field goal to give the Bucks an early 3-0 lead. Stafford and Burleson were able to connect at the beginning of the second quarter for a 5-yard touchdown to give them a 7-3 lead. This was Burleson's first game back after he broke his arm in the infamous pizza incident. He was Stafford's favorite target on Sunday as Calvin Johnson was stuck on a Revis Island. The teams then traded off touchdowns on their next drives of the game with a Mike Glennon touchdown pass to Quan Underwood, followed by a Stafford pass to Joseph Fourier just a few minutes later. It looked like the Lions were going to go into halftime with the lead, but on a throw intended for Brandon Pettigrew, Pettigrew looked like he was doing anything possible to avoid catching the ball. The ball was caught, but by Tampa defender Leonard Johnson, who took it to the house for a pick six, giving Tampa a 17-14 lead going into halftime. This was already looking like a game that wasn't going to go the Lions' way, just based on the extraordinary mistakes that most college teams don't make. Things got even worse from there, much, much worse. The Lions regained their lead in the third quarter on a touchdown pass to Pettigrew, who found a way to catch a ball that usually falls right through his hands. It looked like the Lions were going to extend their lead and put a stranglehold on the game. But a pass intended for Calvin Johnson was badly overthrown and intercepted in the end zone, their third turnover of the game already. But wait, there's more. On just the second play of the fourth quarter, blown coverage in the Lions' secondary, yet another recurring theme for the Lions' season, caused a Mike Glennon to Taquan Underwood 85-yard hookup. This is the same Taquan Underwood, who going into the game had only 9 catches, 166 yards, and 1 touchdown. Underwood burned them for a line of 3 receptions, 108 yards, and 2 touchdowns. Have you heard of Taquan Underwood? I sure didn't until this Sunday. This line secondary is great for making names of receivers who haven't made a name for themselves in the NFL so far. The one bit of luck that the Lions caught in the game came yet after yet another mistake, this time on special teams. After a failed third down conversion for the Lions, punter Sam Martin came in to attempt to, to, attempt to pin the Bucks deep in their own territory. However, awful blocking on the right side of the line allowed, allowed Danny Gorer to block the punt and, gave, and give the Bucks the ball back at the Lions' 11-yard line. The defense stepped up and forced the Bucks to attempt a 35-yard field goal. Ryan Lindell hooked it left just over the field goal post, and suddenly the Lions still had hope. That hope quickly diminished on the next drive when Chris Durham caught a pass and looked like he was trying to go out of bounds. 
Durham, however, fumbled the ball, and as if there was a force field stopping the ball from going out of bounds, Tampa, Tampa was able to recover the fumble. Yet another, that's so Lions turnover. At this point, I, as well as many Lions fans, had to be thinking, well, at least it can't get much worse. Boy, were we wrong. After Lindell missed a 50-yard field goal, the Lions had a chance to tie or win the game. Down 24-21 at their own 40-yard line with 3.49 left and all three timeouts, it was time for yet another miraculous Matt Stafford game-winning drive, or so we thought. The Lions were quickly able to get the ball into field goal range after Stafford connected with Calvin for a 21-yard pass on third down. Now the only question Lions fans were asking was, are we going to go to overtime or are we going to win it in regulation? That question was answered with just under a minute left in the game. After burning a timeout, Stafford looked deep again to Calvin. The ball was caught by Calvin at the four-yard line. Fans were beginning to celebrate until somehow the ball was suddenly in the hands of Tampa Bay cornerback Jonathan Banks. The best wide receiver in the NFL dropped a pass that was in his hands and it landed right into the and it landed right into Banks's. My screams of, yes, no, could be heard all the way to Ford Field as the stadium went silent. Victory formation, Tampa Bay wins 24-21, and that, my friends, is the definition of that's so Lions. It was a game that the Lions coulda, woulda, shoulda won, but the football gods looked down at Ford Field and laughed a maniacal laugh. The Lions moved to 6-5 and five on the season as Tampa moved to 3-8. and eight. Only the second team in NFL history to start 0-8 and then win their next three games. If there was one bright spot to come out of Sunday, however, it's that the Lions were somehow still able to hold on to first place in the NFC North. The Bears lost to the St. Louis Rams and the Aaron Rodgers Packers tied, yes, tied the Minnesota Vikings. If you aren't aware of a tie in football, it's when the 15 minutes of the overtime period runs out and both teams still are tied. Uh, it happens very rarely, but in this Packers-Vikings game, uh, the rarity occurred. The Lions are being hand- the Lions are basically being handed the division on a silver platter, and it's as if the Lions are pushing that platter away, like they want nothing to do with the div- with the division championship. Both the Bears without Jay Cutler and the Packers without Aaron Rodgers have lost their starting quarterbacks. The pieces are all there. The roster is completely healthy. All 53 players on the Lions roster practiced last week, which is unheard of in the NFL, especially in Week 12. So why are they unable to gain any ground on teams that are crawling their way through the season with torn groins and broken collarbones? The next opportunity for the Lions to gain some ground may be their most important game of the season. The Lions, this Thursday, the Packers will travel to Ford Field for the annual Thanksgiving game. The last time the Lions were able to win on Turkey Day was in 2003. Their last nine Thanksgiving games have ranged everywhere from embarrassing to heartbreaking. This year, the Lions will be favored to win on Thanksgiving for the first time since 2000. Packers coach Mike McCarthy has already gone out and said the chances of Aaron Rodgers playing are slim to none. Lions fans can breathe breathe a sigh of relief, but should be cautious. The likely starter for Green Bay on Thursday will be Matt Flynn. In Flynn's NFL debut back in Week 17 of 2011, he torched the Lions for 480 yards and six touchdowns, and this was the guy's NFL debut. This was a Lions team that played in the postseason that year, too. If the Lions have any hopes of returning there this season, they better hope Flynn doesn't put up half the numbers he put up in 2011. In my opinion, I don't think we'll have a repeat of 2011, 
but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Although Flynn is a mediocre at best quarterback, the Lions' pass defense is just as mediocre. They rank 28th out of 32 teams, giving up 276.8 passing yards per game. The Packers have the best have some of the best wide receiver depth in the NFL with Jordy Nelson, James Jones, and Jarrett Boykin, which will open up the field and help them, and help them to beat the Lions' secondary. The Packers also feature second-round rookie running back Eddie Lacy. Although Lacy has had a decent season for a rookie, I don't see him having much of an impact on this game. As the Lions' rush defense ranks fourth in the NFL, holding teams to 88 yards rushing a game. And that number is getting better each week. My prediction for this game is the Lions will be able to squeak out a 35-31 win over the Packers. Finally, Lions fans will be able to enjoy their turkey and stuffing without the bitter taste of defeat in their mouths. I think Stafford will connect with Calvin Johnson for 150 yards and a touchdown, and Reggie Bush will add another 100 yards on the ground. Of course, I am just a radio show host, not a psychic, so if Green Bay winds up coming out victorious, don't go chucking your turkey drumsticks at my head. With that, though, it's time to wrap up a very abbreviated show um, of the Lions Den. I enjoyed being on the air with you guys for my first show. Uh, remember, every week I will be bringing you even more Lions coverage from week to week, including the regular season, hopefully the postseason, and then also the off season and draft season as well. And also, uh, remember, for Lions content, along with content from all MSU Sports and Detroit Sports, look no further than impact89fm.org slash sports. Once again, that's impact89fm.org. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter as well. My name is Michael Heiger, and thank you once again for listening to the Lions Den right here on Impact Sports. Happy holidays, everyone, and go Lions!